Hi, this is Tuni Varga-Atkins, and we are on episode 14 of our Treasure Island Pedagogy podcast series from the Center for Innovation in Education at the University of Liverpool. This is where we share our light bulb moments, pedagogies, and cohabit our Treasure Islands, a space for precious contact time with students. Before we start, I just wanted to point out that as we had some difficulty with the audio, there is a full transcript available to go with our episode via our podcast, blog and website. But let's make a start. Can I ask you all lovely guests to introduce yourselves in your own language to give a flavour of your teaching context? Tēnā koutou katoa, ko rūpahu te mana, ko waikato te awa, ko Buchanan te iwi. Uh, called Jay McIsaac Toko Ingoa Nā mihi nui ki So that's my introduction in the indigenous language of New Zealand in Māori and I told you a little bit about my mountain, the river I affiliate to, my family heritage and name, what my name is and wishing you all well Thank you Jay. Shazia? Mira nam Dr. Shazia he or me assistant professor who guide me obstetrics and ahlan masahlan marhaba ana shogal kuliyatul roya Saudi Arabia and well in these few words I just introduced my name in Urdu local language which I know. And uh, my profession, and uh, uh, in Arabic, obviously now I'm big half, uh, fe- giving a feeling of uh, Saudi Arabia. So I know much Arabic now. So in two languages, I just introduced my name. Amazing. Both both of you have, you know, given off a lovely flavor of, of where you're working. Yes. Thank you, Charlie. Um, how was what I mean is Charlie. Uh, uh, I said, hi, I'm Charlie, and uh, I'm a teacher here at Xi'an Jiao Tong Liverpool University. Thank you, Charlie. Brilliant. Okay. So can I ask you to introduce yourself briefly, your original discipline, your um, trajectory, um, and then we will take the discussion from there. Jay, can I call on you first, please? Okay. Hello everybody, I'm Jay McIsaac and uh, I work in higher education in New Zealand currently as an educational developer. Education has always been my discipline. I've always been a teacher. I've always been connected to teaching and learning. So you could say I've not strayed too far from my original intention. Uh, So I have an early childhood education background I uh, developed an interest after teaching an early childhood education program in a further education college in New Zealand. Uh, I became interested in course design and then I became interested in staff development. And then somebody asked me if I would go and teach on a staff development course to help people understand what it takes to design a course. And that was about 25 years ago. And I've been working in this field in a range of different contexts internationally and in New Zealand ever since then. Uh, so um, I have I have been generally I call myself an educational developer now, and I'm a generalist in the sense that I am interested in many many things to do with learning and teaching, 
but I my specialist area that I've developed along the way really is course design and curriculum development and that's really where I've been for the last 10 years or so now and um, right now where I am right now in New Zealand you may see behind you may be able to see behind me the place where I work um, which is in Māori the indigenous language of New Zealand uh, and the place that I work in Māori is Te Whare Wānanga o Awanui Arangi, which means uh, the house of learning from the, uh, from the family of Awanui Arangi. So it's part of the tribal area that I work in. And it is a Māori tertiary institution, and we provide programs that advance and disseminate knowledge and research in Māori tradition and custom. So it's a very Indigenous-based institution. Uh, and the majority of our students are local students. We have a few international students uh, in the USA, but mostly we have domestic students. And I work with staff to design postgraduate programs, which is a specialty at the Wānanga. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much about me and what I'm doing right now. Great, thanks, Jay. It's a lovely. I mean, you've had from you know early age to all adults learning. You've covered everything, and it would be lovely if you could maybe link uh, or offer a link to the university because I had every uh, look, and it, I think it's just so interesting your contacts. So thanks, Jay. Uh, Shazia, would you like to introduce yourself next? Yeah. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, uh, I'm Dr. Shazia Iqbal. Uh, originally, I am uh, assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology, uh, but uh, I'm working as the director of medical education uh, at the Vian College of Medicine, Bayan, Saudi Arabia. Uh, well, my journey uh, uh, being a medical educator, uh, it, it is, you can say that from inheritance, because since I'm born, I'm born in an educational environment. My mom, my father, my all brother, sister involved in teaching all the time and in education. And uh, I, I was really keen learner. You can say that uh, there is a, a spirit in me to learn something new. Anything new, I want to uh, take it as a challenge and adopt it. So it's been 17 years I am in teaching. Uh, and you know, my interest uh, was really engrossing and uh, engaging when I found myself in a very much challenging situation that uh, how can I improve my teaching or how can I convey my message to my students or learners or how can I engage my learners in the teaching process or in the whole uh, learning process itself. So I was very much keen that uh, how different uh, technology or how different technology tools can help in learning uh, in medicine, especially when I teach obstetrics and gynecology. And uh, then I was interested to uh, enhance my qualification. And I did my master's in medical education from the University of Liverpool. And it was a great opportunity for me to learn from different uh, uh, diverse aspects of learning and teaching. And uh, then uh, when I joined BM College uh, roughly about six years ago in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, I, I feel myself lucky uh, in a sense that it was new medical school where uh, you were facing a lot of challenges to develop itself. So I take a leap to develop uh, medical education uh, department at institution 
in which I was very much keen to develop a curriculum, uh, which is MBBS curriculum, uh, undergrad. And uh, uh, apart from that, I was very much keenly involved in faculty development. And uh, this was a great task for me to apply all of those knowledge and skills which I learned during my master's course. And it, it, it was itself a learning for myself as well. And uh, I really enjoyed that experience. And uh, um, so far, I settled with my interests uh, because recently, when we look into different technologies during our learning teaching process, there is a great role of artificial intelligence in medical education. Which, uh, which is a bit new in medical education. It has a lot of questions, challenges to fix in different kinds of pedagogical techniques. So this is my basic area of interest that currently I'm working that how we can enhance educational process through use of different uh, artificial intelligence tools like virtual reality, mixed reality, through HoloLens, different, different kinds of tools. So, and especially pedagogy, I'm interested in inquiry-based learning. So, uh, uh, so far, this is my journey where I'm working on and that I will continue. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that, that spirit of learning is very recognizable. It's lovely to hear that you're passing that on to your students, as well as all the innovations that you've been engaged with. Thank you, Shazia. So, Charlie, can you please introduce yourself next? Yes, hello. Um, my name is Charlie Reese. I am the director of the educational development unit here at Xi'an Tong Liverpool University or XJTLU. And I'm also the founder of CAPED, which is the China-based Association for Partnership in Educational Development. Um, and I very much identify as a teacher uh, rather than as a researcher. So I, that's how I fit in with the university in higher ed. And my career trajectory was basically um, many, many years ago, I was an elementary school teacher and I really loved professional development. I loved going to school for learning how to teach, all of that stuff. Um, I also enjoyed actual teaching. I, I, and so, uh, you know, I keep doing things or kept doing things like um, designing different courses, experimenting with pedagogies in the classroom, working with students to do different things and eventually just worked my way into being an educational developer, which is what I am now. And um, I very much like the work. Uh, my specialty is probably engagement because I very much like working with people. And so a natural outcome of this is working in students as partners and thinking about how we can actually work with them, not for them or at them to, to help them learn and to help them change and develop and that's my self-introduction. Great. So there's a commonality there with Jay in terms of where you've started. Brilliant, lovely. Um, so let's uh, take our boats and row over to our treasure islands and would love to hear you all describing a light bulb moment, one of the many for our listeners today. Well, I can start. Um, my light bulb moment is really uh, when students started coming back to my classes, both as a, a teacher of, of actual normal students and then as a, as a developer who deals with staff in higher ed, when in different contexts people come back even though they don't have to, I think it really reflects a value that, that you know they voluntarily want to engage and they find it interesting and enlightening to just be in the environments of either learning or reflecting on practice and that type of learning. 
So for me, my light bulb moment is um, all about community and connection, really. And when you know, I see the people again and again, it makes me think, oh, I'm making a difference. People don't just have to be here. They want to be here. So what, what do you do then, Charlie? Can you lead us into your classroom and, and show us why your students are coming back? Well, uh, I generally don't. I'll tell you a funny story that, that might, might illuminate this. A few years ago, I told someone in a, in a classroom, this was at XJTLU when I was teaching staff, uh, that I thought they were wrong. And I felt so uncomfortable. For days, I felt uncomfortable. And I realized, you know, in over 20 years of teaching, I'd never told anyone they were wrong before. Mm -hmm. um, so I think people like working with me because I try to find what's right in what they said. And I try to be super supportive all the time, uh, except the one example I just gave you. So I think it's about environment. And I think this is a missing piece that we're seeing some of now. But ethos in a classroom, a sense of belonging, a sense of respect and identity, and that you matter is why I think people come back. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. Shazia, did you want to come in? Because I know you're, yeah. Uh, well, uh, my life was moment, you can say it's the story of uh, six years ago when I, uh, I was teaching. And by end of my session, you know, we used to take attendance manually. And attendance sheet, when I counted number of students, they were 28. I was just wondering, like, what happened? I have enrolled students which are only 25 or only three students. And then that really surprised and amazed me that uh, when I found that my senior students who have already done this obstetric gynecology course, they prefer to join and utilize their free time to enjoy my session. I, I, was, I was just surprised. I called them back and I said, oh my God, okay, I, I know that you got permission, but uh, uh, what's the reason? So I went into that and when I inquired, I found that they, they, the, the, the way uh, session engaged students in the learning process through uh, magical stories, real stories of patients, uh, layering of the knowledge within the stories, that really engross and engage students uh, that they love to uh, learn, they love to uh, the quality of teaching, the quality of the way message is being conveyed to them. That is super amazing. And then I was wondering when in departmental meeting it was discussed that usually we are worried about uh, uh, lack of attendance, but Dr. Shazi is worried about more attendance because <laughs> I need to accommodate them in the in the in the classroom. So yeah, that I mean, was really I... very much, that was really very much inspiring and encouraging for me that what is ongoing and why students like, uh, th that is really motivating for me as well. Uh, but uh, this is the reason I found that students, uh, when, when a, a, a facilitator engaged students in the learning process by giving them empowerment, by uh, giving them a feeling that students, they should own their own learning, Yes, that makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say it's a good problem to have, and I was trying to find the words. I don't know if if you you have the because usually, as educators, as you said, we worry about um, retention or attrition, and uh, actually increasing the amount of students. Is, I haven't. I, I don't know if there's a word for that, but yeah, that's a lovely example of of the success of your 
engaging students in storytelling and uh, I'm guessing case lots of case studies that you discuss okay. with the students. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jay, what about okay. your life? Yeah. So um I guess mine has mine is related to what Charlie was talking about. And um I guess my light bulb moment, it's both a moment and a theme, I think, in um, learning and teaching. Uh, and mine is taking time for connection. Uh, and in Indigenous terms, uh, the, word, <laughs> the word for that is whakawhanaungatanga, which really means getting to know each other. And so one of the things for me um, and many times I've had this with students, participants, whether they're staff or, or students, when I was teaching students, younger students, um, it's the aspect of how you spend the time with the students that leads to learning opportunities. Um, and right now, where I'm working right now, my experience of working in the Wananga environment is that um, there are a whole lot of rituals and things that are done around getting to know the person because relationships are really, really, really important, really important. And actually the idea here is that you, you put the person um, above, beyond um, the intended learning itself. So you, it's important to take time to listen to the person and in New Zealand that means in Indigenous terms that means where you come from how you're connected to the place that you belong to and that's usually done through nature so that's usually connected to a river a mountain it might be it could be the waka or the boat that that family came out on but but when people introduce themselves they always start by introducing themselves in relation to the land and then the questions from there are about how you how you might relate be related to that person. So this happens a lot in a lot in New Zealand. You find out what your connection is. But the important thing is this whole thing about taking time to connect with to connect with the person. And uh, in my experience of working internationally as well as nationally here in New Zealand. There are different rituals and different ways of doing that. In New Zealand right now, um, we would do that by introducing ourselves. So if I just take the example of how we introduced ourselves at the beginning of this, which is pretty much all about our career trajectory, where we've come from, it tends to be about us as the individual. But when I work with students here and with staff here, it's about the family they come from, where they uh, feel their roots are, who they are related to, which is sometimes quite frightening because it's only a small country in New Zealand and, you know, there's just one degree of separation. Uh, and also why finding out why people are there to learn in the first place, which is, it's really important to do that at the start of, of, any, of any learning opportunity. Um, so... And that's called practicing something called manakitanga, which is all about showing hospitality and warmth and kindness by listening to the person about who they are, um, well beyond what I call the intended learning uh, that's set out for them. So it's sort of related to what you were saying, Charlie, about 
connection and relationships um, and rituals is one way in which we do that here. I've got other examples, but yeah, it happens. It it happens a lot, and it is it makes a huge difference to how people um, engage. I think you used the word engagement, Charlie. How people engage in their learning environment. It's really really important. Yeah. Jay, I have to say I totally agree with you, um, and I love most everything you're saying. I think uh, you said how you spend time with students, that's what leads to opportunities for learning. And I think that is so, so true. And these days when we're talking about blended learning or we're dealing with online learning with COVID, uh, this togetherness has been changed and a bit disrupted. Yes. And um, you know, when I talk or hear about the future of education, I think there's something very special about togetherness in pedagogical spaces. And um, so mm -hmm. I really like that too. And I've always seen with my students that if, you know, we make a connection and if we are welcoming, the attended learning outcomes are trivial compared to what they achieve. You know, they just do mind-blowingly good work when they want to. Uh, and um, it seems to me that if there's a secret to teaching, I'm not sure there, you know, we have one or the other, it might be creating the right environment. Yeah. Yes, I was going to say, Jade, that um, in in the COVID times, uh, it would be just lovely to have you speak about the sense of belonging, because sense of belonging seems to have been quite a, a, a big requirement. You know, it's exactly what you were talking about, where mm. that's the bit that seemed to be missing for uh, students and the learning and how you create that sense of belonging so I just loved hearing about how it happens and I love the idea because in a sense it's that whole students but rooted to the community and yes. belonging somewhere yes. and if someone some somewhere someone feels the belonging as Charlie said then it's 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 easier to create that learning environment sorry I interrupted yeah. you Oh no, sorry. Um, I I think I think one of the things is um, this whole. You could actually link this to a very old old theory of of learning, um, which I think I might have been introduced to at Teachers College many years ago when I was training to be an early childhood educator, and that's this whole humanistic approach. You know, looking at the whole person and thinking about how personalized and social learning is as important as all the other sorts of learning <laughs> that we have planned and intended for people. And um, speaking about COVID, Tundi, it's been a real challenge for us at the Wananga to be, to be um, operating, aside from all the practicalities, but because most of our classes are run, uh, they're run on the basis that everybody comes together and they often stay together for two or three nights. So the learning goes on. It's like what, what many of us would know as a residential, a residential course. Yeah. But, but everybody eats together, everybody sleeps together, everybody learns together. So you can imagine in COVID times, this has been a real challenge because actually for Māori students, that's the most important aspect of learning is coming together and being together the whole time. Um, and that's something that's been impacted by COVID. So we've had a very big transition in New Zealand to with, and we all know the challenges for students with trying to manage working online. But for many of our Māori students who are used to 
they're used to learning in a collective, collaborative environment where everything's done together to suddenly move to working on their own individually, isolated, and it's all about them on their own. That's been a huge shift and quite difficult for many students. So that sense of belonging um, is sort of front and center of everything that's done in, in the teaching and the learning environment that I work in. And the other thing that comes out of that, going back to what Charlie was saying, is um, the spending time includes things like asking questions and being curious. You know, those things are really, really important. We know they're important for learning and teaching. It leads to all sorts of things, critical thinking, problem solving, all of that stuff. So, so yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a mixed picture, collaborative learning for um, because in COVID times, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I was gonna say to reflect some of the. I mean, in the UK, you can find some of this in, like, say, in the Oxford Cambridge model when you've got the mm. colleges and the dinners together, and then also, I'm guessing. Charlie with you know I've heard so many times international students cooking together and solving math problems and discussing their examples and you know that's all yeah. sorts of eating together and problem solving together uh, yeah. spirit so yeah yeah Charlie um on international students definitely when they go abroad you know they understand one another so of course they're going to hang out together and food is such a thing a social thing in China um, that yes, eating together is super important. It's it's important culturally. You know, if someone wants a special relationship with you, if they ask you to dine with them, um, you know, whereas I mostly eat at my desk at work um, because I'm <laughs> of that style. Uh, but yeah, it's really important. And I think, you know, you're alluding to something else about our students, Tundi, is that um, they are really collaborative and social in learning, but you don't see that standing in front of the classroom because they're doing this after the class using social media and other other forms of connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so talking about light bulb moments and creating this space for students to learn. So now we are on the islands having these moments for the students. So I would like now to ask you what teaching prop or pedagogy. And again, I, I, I know I'm, I'm a bit harsh to ask only one. <laughs> would you take to your islands? Yeah. So um, for me, um, I'd be taking a cushion uh, because um, in, in collaborative learning here, there, uh, it's, it's really to, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is so the students can sit comfortably wherever they want. So that is a feature of wananga learning is you sit wherever you like. There's no straight lines. It's all mixed up. Um, and people will move around. They will move around until they get comfortable. Um, and the other thing the cushion represents to sit wherever, wherever people want is to show that the space for learning needs to be flexible and accommodate a wide range of student learning needs. So the, and, those, and the students need to decide what they need in that learning space, supported by the structure that we provide. But essentially, it's up to them to find a way in which for them to be comfortable. But a cushion is absolutely mandatory. If it was, if I was going luxury, whole hog, I'd say a pillow. But I'm happy with a cushion. I'll go with a cushion um, to represent the, both the informality of using the space and the flexibility in terms of the learning. So that's mine. 
great because we had cushions or pillows for luxury items for off teaching, but I love appropriating items. So in the teaching and, and again, we've talked about environments. Um, so mm. I love this as a symbol of, of agency on part of the student and the flexibility. Mm. Thanks, Jay. Shazia? Yes, uh, thank you. Oh, well, uh, to this island we have definitely really be happy. And I would love to take uh, buckets of uh, beautiful balls. And these balls are stories of uh, wonderful uh, experiences which I uh, have gone through in my 17 year experience um, uh, with the clinical practice as well as teaching practice. So it will be full of uh, balls. And I would love to throw these balls to my learners. And uh, when the cat is, I would like to take it back towards me. Uh, and these coming back uh, balls will be uh, very much thought-provoking questions by them, which I really um, enjoy uh, because when I tell them something, uh, it gives them an ability to think critically, to analyze the situation, and uh, then uh, this is the point where I don't need to teach them the content of the topic itself. This, they start by themselves telling me. So that is really enjoyable moment in a way that they understood uh, what I wanted to say. For instance, uh, in obstetrics, uh, uh, I, uh, teaching uh, mechanism of laboring patient, uh, like birth process is really very much challenging for the undergrad students to understand it. No doubt it's a bit easy for post-grad, but at undergrad levels, what are the cardinal movements of the fetal movement to birth canal, it's very much difficult. However, if I tell them a story, okay, this patient came at this time, then this happened, we induced that this patient, or we augmented the label, or then CTD was abnormal, or something happened, now it is time for trans emergency experience section Y. So they, they, they themselves ask me questions, Dr. Why? Uh, I think these are the risk factors in this patient. That's why we did this. I think this should have been done. So it, it really provokes them. It makes them curious. And out of this curiosity, they generate questions. So that is the point where really you feel that, yes, they are engaged now. They are uh, in, in the process and they are understanding. And that made me assurance in a way that I feel that where are the misconceptions and where I need to focus more. So that is the point where I, uh, which point I need to stress and which point, yes, that this much level they already understood well. So the level of your questioning really helped me uh, during that process, this experience. And apart from that, uh, I, I love that sometimes they ask me so much challenging questions that even I, that is thought provoking for me that, well, I know I need to be more. So it is really a, such an amazing experience by using those stories of the patient and introducing my knowledge and content in those stories that they, they don't realize that they are in uh, something, uh, teaching a session or they are imposed to sit in the class. No. They need to enjoy the whole learning experience. And apart from that, uh, yeah, during this process, I try my best to create an immersive environment. As you know, that I told you that I'm very much into augmented reality and this uh, virtual reality tools. 
So I use those tools and uh, mostly these videos, they help me a lot because what I concluded that mechanism labor cannot be taught without showing them a video that how maybe take its different position to what canal while uh, it is delivering. So uh, uh, videos, uh, you can say that uh, now these days, uh, these reality tools follow them. This is being uh, very much uh, used in uh, skill lab enhancement. So, I try my best to create the same environment uh, which makes students feel that they are there with the patient. Then they, they, they don't find difficulty to understand and grab the concept. They, they can plan management, they can easily critically think and scientific reasoning is there, they provide evidence, they look into resources and at that time I see myself as, as a facilitator. I don't uh, put a word in their mouth, rather I make them think. So this is uh, where I feel that yes, I, I, I support them, uh, they are grabbing it, and uh, we are at right direction. So this is how I try my best. Yeah, nice. So so in, in your classroom, you might be physically throwing these balls, is that what happens? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I tell them different kind of stories, I manipulate with those stories and sometimes put uh, in depth stories very much um, emergency situation, create emergency situations so that they can think all aspects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, this is really uh, enjoyable for students because when they think that, yes, they, they feel by themselves that they are working with the student itself and they have to approach towards safe management um, mm -hmm. and quality of the care towards patients and take patients uh, holistically. And you know, sometimes it's very interesting when I try to create an immersive environment, I uh, sometimes I have to uh, use my acting skills, act like a, a patient who is uh, full of uh, pain, agony, labor. Sometimes, you know, you say patient, yes, she will deliver normally, but as an express emergency due to any emergency situation, and attendance defines, oh my God, why? Why, it, why cesarean section? then I have to show myself emotions of relatives just to make students think that this, this, this happens. We have to learn communication skills at higher order. We, we learn to know how to break bad news. So I, I, I try my best to use all those tactics which, which create an immersive environment for students where they can feel themselves that they themselves are engaged in their management. So it's, it's really That's amazing brilliant. experience of that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's brilliant. As you said, you know, simulating the environment and, and again, just that ball throwing literally in their core to then yeah. come up with the questions is so helpful. Thank you, Shazia. What about Charlie? What's your teaching prop or pedagogy? Well, my teaching prop actually came from a different light bulb moment since we started with them. And, um, you know, for me, when I saw the Akoarunyi, which is the Mari version of the United Kingdom Professional Standards Framework or UKPSF that Jay actually designed, um, you know, this was about 2018. I saw it online. And I just said, of course, why haven't I done this yet? And so I created a version of the UKPSF that's the entire framework, but it's aligned to quotes from Confucius's Analects. And I did it because I wanted to sort of respect my learners and the, the uh, culture that I'm in and show that, you know, it's not just a UK approach, but it's a framework for learning that we can uh, sort of engage with from different disciplines. 
So for me, it's very funny to be on the panel or in on the island with Jay because of this, because her work directly influenced mine at a distance. Um, but I really like this framework uh, because it is Confucian and I do a lot of work with Chinese philosophy in terms of theorizing, learning and teaching and making it sort of local or relevant to the people around me. And um, it's defined a lot of my career in some ways in the last four years. So I'm quite happy with that. Can you give us one example, Charlie? Because I, I know that it's so interesting and, it, and I, I'm so glad that um, as Jay said, there's probably one degree of separation in New Zealand, so we just yeah. that as well. <laughs> um, one example would be, um, you know, if you look at sort of uh, K5 or K6, K5, the implications of quality assurance and quality enhancement, um, Confucius has a quote, you know, if you don't attend to what's far away, you will um, have trouble near at hand. And so the idea is we have to think about global standards or international standards so that we understand that we're teaching well, that we can have comfort and confidence in approaching what we do. Um, so what, what I'm seeing is, is quotes that don't map on exactly, but I like that as well, because I like the idea that this is interpretive and uh, people will have to engage in a different way to really get through. Um, one self-criticism I have about my framework is um, it's not as conceptually deep as, say, the Akko Arunyi in terms of traditional concepts. And if you look at, say, the work of Confucius, there are themes that I wouldn't necessarily adopt everywhere, um, like filial piety. And so this can be problematic uh, in, in sort of light of some contemporary values. So it's an a very pragmatic approach to Confucius rather than uh, sort of trying to find the historical truth of Confucius. So I, I love this idea that again, it comes back to the theme what we were talking about that you're respecting the learning and the history and the tradition. And it makes me also reflect that a lot of the work that educational developers we do is about translating and um, between different languages disciplinary languages so when we're trying to explain educational concepts or you know there is a lot of um I, I guess filtering and making understanding where people are coming from so that you can relate to it better and respect that um, tradition or disciplinary thinking or I think at yeah. times we're also dealing with different very different epistemologies and theories mm -hmm. of knowledge and when we're organizing learning and teaching um, a lot of togetherness, a lot of structures or tools to help us start these conversations and recognize one another, I think are essential. And I think both Shazia and Jay were also saying these things or similar things. Yeah, can I, I think um, for me, one of the things, one of the sort of central themes around what we've been talking about, and Charlie's just highlighted it with the Confucian adaption of the UKPSF, is this whole notion of what a values-based thread is that runs throughout learning and teaching in in New Zealand uh, we have every learning institution every tertiary learning institution I mean there's those classic organizational values which are we all know what they're about but actually um, in New Zealand we have in indigenous terms and I'm I'm saying this partly Charlie because of what you said about the Ako Aranui framework which was actually all about thinking about the, the values that matter 
in education here and how how what's their relationship with in this case those dimensions of the framework um, and the things that I've been talking about I mean the, the two examples would be for us the manakitanga which I mentioned before and that's about respect care show care for your visitors um, and the second one is kaitiakitanga which is protect and support um, and they're, they're very laudable values that there is a challenge, though, in a values based approach to learning and teaching. And I'm just picking up what you said there, Charlie, because um, because they are so broad and they are so all encompassing to help our students to be able to where that resonates for them in the disciplinary context is really challenging. It's really, really challenging. And that's that was one of the challenges we found with the Ako Aranui framework. It is very, when you have a values-based approach, um, because a lot of those values are socially uh, defined. And then of course, you've got the whole, uh, where people identify they've come from and the, the layers of that. So a values-based approach to education, in, uh, as well as getting to know the whole person can sometimes be quite overwhelming to work with, both for the students and for the staff. So that I'm just I'm raising that one really as a um, not quite a health warning, but you know it's something we have to look out for. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, one of my favorite values from Confucius is a love of learning. Uh, it's all it's a major thread of the Analects, and I'm not a Confucian. I'm much more of a different type of person, but. Um, we don't have that in Western values. There's no way you could measure it. We wouldn't put it on a list of values, but it's so important in some ways, regardless of how you present yourself, to create that environment where people want to learn or the conditions for the possibility of learning uh, have to do with you know, this type of approach, I believe. Yeah, so I would like to add uh, both of your uh, point of view that I guess the feeling of belonging uh, in the whole educational process is very important because the, the approach where I say that in, uh, in query-based approach where students uh, are uh, put, uh, put, put in the situation where they start thinking until unless they don't uh, feel themselves the part of this story or they, they, they don't uh, uh, learn much, they don't enjoy much and they don't uh, experience that uh, 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 they are uh, meant to learn all of these uh, key points out of their story. So a feeling of belonging in uh, educational experience is very much crucial for learners. So I think we got that, that sense of belonging is, is very important. And I was going to ask you, and we have, we have in a sense moved into this co-creating our joint islands because we have been talking a lot about the common themes of the values base, the spirit of learning or the love of learning, the sense of belonging, creating that environment which respects tradition and the values. Um, is there anything else that you want to throw in or barter with each other or add to this mix um, already? I mean, I think it's already shaped to be a brilliant environment for learning um, with all these characteristics. Is there anything else that you might want to add to co-create our joint islands? I think we should make a meal together because of what Jay said about coming together. It would be very interesting and very nice for us to all sit down and um, 
enjoy something informally to get to know each other in our island. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So here, um, food is also very important, Charlie. Um, almost, um, almost every single day, food plays a part. And the idea behind the food, aside from enjoying the food, is actually for, it's about creating a space where people can sit down and get to know each other without any other agenda which of course, when we're in a formal learning environment, that's the agenda, but the, what we call the Kai time, K-A-I, which is uh, Māori for food, the, the sharing of the food and eating food is actually about creating a space where people can be themselves. That's the whole point of it. And we all know how much learning goes on in informal spaces. When I've been at the Wananga for two years and I learned more from being in Kai time then I learnt in any other aspect of my work. That's where that's where I really got to know what was going on in the organisation. <laughs> so, you know, and what mattered, what mattered, the values, the things that mattered. So I think that's quite, if we go on our island, creating a space where people are not pressured to be in a formal learning environment, but still learn something about each other, which could contribute to their learning. That's, yeah, that's significant for me. So Kai time, definitely. Kai, kai time, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about, you've all been working very hard and it's time to relax off-duty teaching. Uh, what would be your luxury items that you would like to take to your islands, to your little corner when it can be your me time? Um, I love hammocks and islands scream to me, oh, get a rope hammock, string it between some trees, let the breeze move you as you relax. So that would be my, my luxury item. Brilliant. I'm sure that can be organized, Charlie. <laughs> Shazia? Yes. Uh, you know, apart from uh, obstetrician and gynecology, um, I have spirit of an artist. And I would love to take my canvas and a lot of watercolors and a uh, lot of uh, painting tools. Uh, with background music uh, because I, I am learning the piano and I'm beginner for that so I love music so that will be my luxury item and I would love to uh, create an interaction between medicine and art because they have uh, a spirit uh, in self and uh, deep connections if we if we go in more depth uh, in medicine you will see that every year it is spirituality and uh, art when I see fallopian tubes, cilias, I, show students, I will show students that these are beautiful flowers, these are beautiful islands. So I, I will uh, create that amazing uh, picture or images which correlate uh, my different with my art. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a lo lovely image. And I love how you, even in your off time, you're still thinking about your passion for your, for your subject. But I think there is so much... Um, literature and examples about how, for instance, getting students to draw things can then help because it then prolongs observation and their observation skills, they re recognize things that they might not otherwise notice. So I love your idea of connecting science and medicine with art. And, and, and uh, allow me to add, uh, well, it is so much meditating uh, when you start creating something that uh, it, it is a uh, feeling uh, in your body and mind, feeling of calmness, mm -hmm. uh, so much sooth soothing feeling, relaxation. So it is, it is in dual way that yes, you are going in depth in medicine, 
But at the same time, yes, you are uh, thinking in other way around. And uh, uh, it is a way uh, how you are trying to make connections that how uh, art is really uh, helping in relaxing your mind and uh, way of thinking. So it is a way to enjoy. Mm -hmm. And it's so important in this era of, um, you know, mental health becoming quite more prominent yeah. in society. So, yeah, that's a lovely idea. Thank you, Shazia. What about Jay? Uh, yes, well, mine is music as well, but it's quite different from Shazia's because I am a huge ABBA fan. So I would have to take my whole ABBA collection, <laughs> including the most recent album, because yeah, you must have I been love happy pop, with the recent reunion. Yeah, very, very. <laughs> so um, yes, because uh, pop music is great for dancing. So that's the other reason is to have dancing music which is a way to unwind from all the thinking we do as teachers, constantly thinking. So, yeah, for me, it would be my ABBA music collection. Lovely. And again, dancing, it's a bit like similar to eating. It's when mm. you can release your, you know, you can be yourself and, and enjoy and yeah. yeah, enjoy. the. It's a social thing as well. It can be a social. Yeah. Lovely. You can have your ABBA collection, Jay. <laughs> okay, so... Um, we've reached the um, thank you so much for this fascinating discussion we are it's time to sail away from our islands now um, together and thanks to our listeners joining us if you enjoyed the episode and you would like to listen more please subscribe and follow this podcast on the, your preferred platform you can follow us on our blog at Liverpool Uni CIE. And that's it from us. Goodbye for now. And finally, a big thank you for our guests today to have joined us. Yeah.